Good morning. How's everyone today? I want to start off. Um, I want to start off with something I hadn't planned, but I think it's it's valuable. I had a guy uh, in our youth ministry, my wife and I, years and years and years ago. Uh, wild type of guy, loaded with energy, super athletic, um, and I believe God touched him powerfully. Um, but he had a rocky road, and I want to have him come up and share a testimony with you. His name is Bobby Cop, from way back in the day. Come on up, Bobby. Stay right here. And uh, so Bobby went off to the Army, right? You spent some time in the Army, and, you know, you hit some, hit some walls in your life. And you know, just tell us after, you know, after your time here in Syracuse and Faith Chapel and what happened after you left uh, the area and joined the Army. Well, when I first joined the Army, it was completely different. They sent me down to Texas, which is where the wheat went away. I'm sorry for bringing it up here from North Carolina. But um, it was just completely different than my life. I was 18 years old, and then next thing you know, I'm getting kicked overseas, and I'm in Iraq. And um, so I was there for about eight months or anything like that, and my dad's unfortunate. You know, he had to take some life, and that's when me and my brother started being taken, and um, about eight months from my tour, I got hit by an IED, and that set my bullet out of my body, and boom, I got out of the military. And so what was your life like? How long were you in the military? That was two years. And so what was your life like after you returned back to the States? Uh, it, was, it was, for me, it was horrible. It was, I didn't care about life anymore. Um, I turned to alcohol. That was the only thing I knew that I needed to stay out of the Army, but I just couldn't get out. I mean, I pushed out of it. And tell me about some of the struggle in the meantime before you reconnected to God. Well, for, let's say, for nine years, I wanted to die every day because I didn't care about my life. I had no purpose. And actually, a year ago this month is um, I told a friend of mine I had imperfect children. My friend Dan died. And a week later, a friend of mine told me, hey, come to my church. And I was like, no, I don't want to go. So the morning of, I woke up early, and um, as I went, I was accepted out. And this month, uh, this month today makes uh, one year since I told Mocha I was born, so I'm glad. I didn't expect Bobby to come today, but I thought, you know, he comes from North Carolina. Uh, it's, a, it's a face I'm familiar with. I know his story. Um, and he's had this radical turnaround in his life. And I asked him a question. I said, Tell me about what you see for the future for your life. Is um, I'm actually just finished going through a step study leadership program. Um, at church, we run a program called Celebrate Recovery. And with that is I'm trying to get into the mental homes to help uh, anyone who's going through the suicidal tendencies. So I'm trying to start that ministry as well as a ministry for uh, homeless veterans. Come on. It's amazing the journey you go through, and in the midst of it all, God has his hand on your life. Amen? Would you reach your hand forward? We're going to pray for Bobby. Thanks for coming and sharing your story. Father, we bless Bobby and his life, God, and, and the things that are on his heart for the future with homeless veterans and people to, uh, who are just feeling a strong urge to commit suicide, God. I pray, Father, for great strength for him and support around him, God. I pray for an anointing to touch lives and change lives forever, God. And we bless him, God. Thank you for bringing him back here, God. Thank you for uh, 
the fact that he can stand here and testify about the goodness of God, Lord. So we give you all the praise right now. We honor you, Lord, and we thank you for what you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you guys. All right, so um, it's amazing that uh, you're here today. I, I noticed that there's a lot of empty seats, um, people on vacation, people traveling, people doing stuff, and we just we just bless people who are spending time with family and, and on the road and vacationing, but I feel like God has a special moment for us today. I, I really feel like God's going to meet with us, God's going to do some stuff um, here in our midst, and, and today... Um, I'm, I'm just grateful for what God's doing, and if I haven't told you that you are loved today, I want you to know that you're, you're loved, God is amazing, and he, he causes his body to love one another, and we have something special here. I honor God for that. I honor God for what he's doing dynamically in our relationships, and we want more of that, amen? So um, there'll be notes for the message in, in, the, uh, in, the, uh, excuse me, in the Faith Chapel app. I encourage you to check those out, but I want to start off with a story. I heard this story um, as I was just preparing this week that I thought was amazing. Um, it was the story of, of a, a Saudi Arabian king. True story. There's a Saudi Arabian king, and he invites, um, he invites a professional golfer over to Saudi Arabia to spend some time with him. And... In the midst of this, they're playing golf day after day after day. I think there was a tournament they were involved in, and, and they had this just this glorious, amazing time together. They connected well. They enjoyed each other's company, and it was just an amazing time. Um, and so the Saudi Arabian king was preparing to say goodbye to his new friend, and he had actually flown his new friend over, and he's about to fly him back on a private jet. And um, the, the king says to his friend, he says, you know, I, I want to give you a gift. Tell me, what kind of gift would you like? Just tell me anything that you want. I just, I just want you to tell me what kind of gift would you like me to give you? And the guy's like, you know, the, the golfer's like, you know, I really appreciate our company. I value you as a friend. I didn't come here for a gift. I, I really appreciate your willingness to be generous with me, but I don't really need a gift. Your, your company was more than enough for me. I enjoyed it. It was amazing. And the king insisted. He said, I'm going to give you a gift. Now, you just tell me what kind of gift I could give you. And the guy's, you know, stumbling around. As I don't know if you've ever been in that position or that situation where someone's making you feel awkward by their generosity, you know. Generosity is an amazing thing, but sometimes we're not ready to receive. And this guy, he, sa he says, well, you know thinking about it for a little bit, he said, uh, I, I collect golf clubs. And I think it'd be, you know, it'd be amazing if you, if you gave me a, a golf club, a special golf club. And so they parted company, they said their goodbyes, the professional golfer flies back to the U.S. True story. And in this whole process, he's thinking, you know, maybe, and he's a king, maybe he'll send me a gold golf club with my name engraved on it. Or maybe, better yet, he'll send me a gold golf club with, like, jewels of diamonds and rubies 
embedded into it with my name on it. And so he's waiting at home, waiting at home. Nothing arrives, nothing arrives. A couple weeks pass. Finally, a knock on the door comes, um, and, and, and the postal person gives him a letter. And the letter is from Saudi Arabia and the king of Saudi Arabia. And as he opens it, he's like, what is going on? I expected a golf club, you know? He opens it up, and to his astonishment, he finds a deed to a 500-acre golf course in the United States. The king, the king gave way above and beyond what this guy had thought or even asked for, you know? And sometimes, th- sometimes kings can think differently than we think. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes kings think differently. They see differently than we think. I don't know if you've ever blown away, been blown away by a gift when someone has thought like a king and, and just blessed you above and beyond your wildest dreams. I'm not talking about a golf course, but I'm, I'm talking about, you know, you're celebrating an anniversary and it's like it blows your mind how much your spouse has thought about you. Maybe, maybe a gift that you received on a special day and it, it just blew your mind that, that this person was thinking radically different than you thought. Maybe it was a special trip that was, that was given to you because someone loves you so much. They're just, they're just thinking out of the box and, and differently than you. I, I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but it's amazing as a recipient. It's even better as a, as a giver of those kind of awesome gifts. It, it leaves a person in awe and astonishment and just full of gratitude and thanks. And we've been in a series over the last, this is the fifth week now, on the vision, sharing the vision. And I just want to, I want to just land on that thought. Sometimes kings think differently than we do. Don't you love when people in your life think differently than you do? People who love you and looking out for your best interests think differently than you do. And we've been talking about this this vision and, and what the vision of the church is and where we feel uh, like God has taken us. And, and, and sometimes the things that, you know, just similarly to this, this, this king and this golfer, sometimes when we press into the things of God in the same way, he blows our minds with how much he sees things differently than us. And in the beginning of this series, we talked about the things that God has called us to that are way beyond what we had ever considered a reality for us. You know, it started off in, in humble beginnings, I would call it. You know, God was just giving us a download of, you know, I want you to be makers of disciples, real, authentic, biblical disciples, and I want you to remember the poor. And as we began to go after that, God began to expand this vision. He began to see things differently and help us see things differently than we had, uh, we had seen them. And he began to show us that he wants us to plant homes in our city in various places called community transformation homes that will transform neighborhoods and streets. He began to show us uh, the Feed the City um, ministry, and, and we've been running with that for eight or nine years. And we, we get into the city and we minister, like Amanda said, very powerfully to people. We've, we've seen so many lives touched and someone, so many people reconnected to the love and the goodness of God. He began to show us um, this, this huge, what I would call huge and seemingly impossible dream of having a dream center in our city. 
a, a place that just meets so many needs and so profoundly powerful in, in its way of touching lives, reconnecting people to God, meeting uh, real life uh, needs of people. And he's, he's been just expanding, expanding, expanding the things um, that he's been showing us. And we've been trying to convey that and make, make the vision clear. It's been important for us to make the vision clear. And today I want to talk to you about the final uh, thought or value related to this vision that we feel is, is really they're all interconnected, but we feel is so very important. Um, and that is the vision that uh, the, the value that we respond, we boldly respond to the Holy Spirit. We boldly respond to the Holy Spirit. We've, we've covered values like we're growing to be more like Jesus. We're a family like no other. We, we uh, love the person in front of us. And here, finally, we're going to talk about bold, being people who boldly respond to the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is such a significant thing in our Christian walk. A as we walk with God, hearing from God, and doing what he says to do. I want to just break this down, that the Christian life is really a lot simpler than we make it to be. You know, we hear from God, and we do what he tells us to do. Right? And so let's close in prayer. We're going to end our service now. And um, amen to that? All right. Now, I, I've got some things to share related to this, but, but um, th this is an important element of the vision, hearing from God and doing what he says, because we are the kind of people, and we are the kind of church, and we're going after a culture that we boldly respond to the Holy Spirit. Now, the Bible contains areas or, or admonitions, if you will, of things that of ways that we should not respond to the Holy Spirit. I want to share those with you. There's there's three ways that I'll share very quickly with you of ways that we should not respond, or or um, an, another way of saying it is ways that uh, wrong ways to respond to the Holy Spirit. The first one we find in Acts 7:51. We're going to put that up on the screen. Acts 7:51, and this is we we just we fall smack dab into this, this uh, scenario where Stephen was um, having, he's, he's, he's uh, standing before the Sanhedrin, and he's given this whole history because he's called to account, he's being called to account for this faith that he has. And he just gives this brilliant uh, history of the people of Israel and how all of this has pointed to the, to the Christ, the Messiah, Jesus. And as he gives this, I mean, they're nodding their head. They're like, yes, amen to this, amen. And then all of a sudden, he comes with this one verse I'm about to share with you. And it's harsh, and it's pointed, and it challenges them, and it turned everything in that room around. He says this. This is what Stephen says. He said, you stiff-necked people, your hearts and your ears are still uncircumcised. You're just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Three wrong responses to the Holy Spirit. Here's one of them. Resistance. This is not, this is, this, I want to emphasize this. We don't resist the Holy Spirit, okay? We are, we are the kind of people and we're going after a culture as a church and in our individual lives of boldly responding 
to the Holy Spirit. We don't resist them. And, and so he's, he's going after these religious attitudes, these people that, that, whole, uh, that, that oppose the Holy Spirit. They're stubborn. They're self-willed. They're self-righteous. They have this I-can-do-it-on-my-own mentality. They, they respond in, in a way of resisting what God is doing. They stand in opposition or resistance to a fresh move of God, one that had been promised throughout the entire Old Testament. We don't resist the Holy Spirit, okay? That's one wrong response to the Holy Spirit. The second one is this. In Ephesians 4.30, it says this, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. You see that? We don't want to resist, nor do we want to grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. I, I love the thought of uh, what's going on here. What The Holy Spirit here is being portrayed as one who has feelings. As one who is personal. As one who, you know, uh, uh, when, when rejected, when um, ignored, uh, it's not a good thing. You know, it, it hurts him because he is a person, right? He's, he's a part of the Godhead. He's, he's personal. And, and so we, we see here that the Holy Spirit uh, can be grieved. And as you read on, it, it's pointing to the idea of, walking around in bitterness and anger and unforgiveness toward our, our fellow human beings. It could be people in the church. It could be people outside of the church. But we can grieve Holy Spirit when we're ignoring his promptings to forgive, to love, to drop bitterness. We can grieve him. It's, not, it's, a, it's a wrong response, right, to the Holy Spirit to ignore when, he, when he's saying, you, you need to let that go. You need to, you need to surrender that anger to me. You, you, need to be, you need to walk in the freedom that I've made available for you instead of keep going back to the well and keep leaning on the past person that you were. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. So we can, we can uh, resist, we can grieve. And here's the last passage I'll share with you. Three wrong responses to the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19. And it simply says, do not quench the spirit. Maybe your translation says, do not quench the spirit's fire. And when you think about putting out a fire, you can, you can douse it with water and, and quench. You can put it out. You can, you can put it out. You can cause it to go away. And one of the ways that we can quench uh, the Spirit's fire is by ignoring his promptings. And it goes into pro the prophetic and uh, do not despise the prophetic and, and, and the voice of God. And when God speaks, we can quench the Spirit of God. We can quench his moving. We can quench what he's doing, resisting, um, uh, grieving, and quenching. I, I have this quote I want to read to you. I think it's very powerful related to what we're talking about today. It says this, the reason people don't receive more from God is because they don't respond more. I feel like God, uh, it, there's more to read, but I feel like to me, there's a lot more that God wants to unveil. I love, Casey, how you shared that 
God's like cleaning the lenses. He's, he's clarifying vision. He's helping us to see better. And, and, and this quote comes, says something so powerful. The reason people don't receive more from God is because they don't respond more. It goes on to say, you will never receive beyond the measure of your response. And I believe firmly that God has so much more for us. And the reason I'm standing before you talking about this specific topic is because I want us, I want us to believe for the more, go after the more, as it relates to our own individual and personal lives, and also as it relates to what God has called us to as a church. And as we've been sharing this vision as a church, we're, we're going we're gonna to begin to turn the focus now to our own personal lives. And help, help uh, bring that home as it relates to what God is saying to us. But we don't want to be found in the place of wrong responses, resisting, grieving, um, and quenching the spirit of God. But I want to say about that quote, which was given by a lady named Nancy Dufresne. She wrote a book. It actually came out of the book, uh, Responding to the Holy Spirit. If what she says is true, the reason people don't receive more from God is because they don't respond more. If that, if that is true, that says to me, it's almost like it, it, it helps me understand why people are struggling in their walks. Why their spiritual walks are dry. Why their spiritual walks are, uh, they, they've lost passion. Why, why there's no more fire. It's because of a lack of response to the Holy Spirit. It's because the Spirit is speaking, but we're not responding. That's the way I see it. And I, I'm only saying, if that is true, it helps me understand why. It helps me explain to people, why, why are things so dry? Well, what is the Spirit saying to you? Are you hearing Him? That's a starting point. And are you doing what He says? Because, you know, I will just say this. Like, if your only spiritual activity in a given week is Sunday morning, you're in trouble. It's, it's your, your spiritual life is on life support. It's, it's not all that we need in a given life. You know, in a given week, it's, it's not all we need. We need more. It's sort of like this. You know, if you consider the word of God and the presence of God as food, how many people in this room have one meal a week? It wouldn't work for you. You'd be malnourished. You'd be uh, gaunt. You'd be weak you'd be skinny it would not be good but some of us we we revert to that being our only spiritual food in a given week and so today i want to talk to you about the simple concept of responding boldly to the holy spirit responding boldly to the holy spirit so here's a here's a breakdown of what i'm going to talk about for the next few minutes first we first we hear then we respond I just want to go back to the elementary basics of this thing. Because it, it, when we get this right, everything else seems to fall in line. Because the Spirit is, is, is sent to help us, to lead us, to guide us, to teach us, to remind us of what Jesus said, right? So, so if we hone in, if we focus on hearing His voice, and if we focus on responding to what He says, I think we're going to be in good shape. I really, really do. Uh, and, and so God is in the midst of breathing out re, uh, 
breathing out vision and releasing things to people. There's, there's all kinds of activity in the supernatural. But it could be like way over our head, not connecting to us, us not receiving, us not sensing, us not being moved. And we miss every opportunity that God has for us. And so first it starts with hearing, then it comes to responding, okay? So for the next few minutes, that's really what I want to talk about. And I want to start off by, by talking about one of the most significant things that has to, be, that has to happen in a, in a Christian life. Um, it, to bring vibrancy, to bring life, to bring hope, to restore things. And that is hearing the voice of God. It, it starts with us hearing from God, okay? It starts with us hearing from God. We need to be hearers of God's voice. And this can come in a variety of ways. It can come through us, him speaking directly to us, um, speaking to our spirit. He could speak to us in an audible voice. He could speak to us in dreams and visions. He chooses most of the time to speak to us through the word of God. And, and amplify or accentuate something that's in the Word of God. Uh, but I, I don't want to box them in and say that's the most frequent and you should go after that only because God can do anything He wants. But He is a speaking God. And God desires so much to be in relationship with His people. He desires to, to be known by us and us to have an intimate relationship with Him. So when you think about the relationships in your life, think about some of those key relationships in your life. How strong would they be if you never talked to that person? Ever. Or once in a blue moon. Pull out a term from my mom's vernacular. Once in a blue moon. Right? I mean, God wants us to know that he is constantly speaking. He is constantly wanting to make himself known to us. I'll give you a, a real-life example. Right now, as you sit in this room, there's millions and millions of signals running to and fro, to and fro uh, by you. You can't see them. You can't hear them. You can't tune into them. But they're, like, all over the place. There's all kinds of signals. Someone in this row sends a text. Someone in this row is checking out the Internet. Someone in this row is receiving a text. Maybe your phone starts to ring. If you had the right receiver, like a radio, you could pick up radio channels. I mean, there's all kinds of activity that you can't see. The way that you can receive it, the way you can connect to the, all that activity is having the right receiver. You have a phone that can pick up a whole bunch of activity. Right? It's having, being tuned to the right channel and having the ability to receive the communications that are all going out, uh, going on around us, all around us. It's the same way with God. God is speaking all the time. He's speaking all the time, and it comes down to us tuning in to Him. Us, you know, it, it's we, we really got to get away from the noise that's around us in order to learn to hear. And I don't know about you, but I want to hear more and more and more. I want to ha have the kind of relationship that I could be in the midst of thousands of people and a roar of a crowd all around me, but I could hear the voice of my father crystal clear. It's got to start somewhere. So I would, I, would, I would say hearing from God should start in a quiet place. 
You know, apart from the noise and apart from the busyness, we've, we've got so much busyness going on. Uh, and we just need to learn to separate ourselves from that because you, you can't really develop a relationship without any commitment to time. And God's word says this. I love this, this phrase he gives us in Psalms. He says, be still and know that I'm God. And we just quiet our spirit and we spend some time with him. And you, you may have your own routine. Maybe you've gotten out of a routine. But if we're going to boldly respond to the Holy Spirit, it starts first with us hearing and having the ability to hear. Having the ability to hear his voice. And, and you know, he speaks so dynamically, so many different ways. Moses and the people of Israel heard, them, heard God's voice as, as, as rolling thunder. Elijah hears God's voice in the cave as a still, small John on the Isle of Patmos in the book of Revelation heard, heard God's voice as the sound of many waters. I don't even know what that sounds like, but that would be amazing. And God is so, in so dynamic that he can connect with us right where we're at, with our personality, with who we're at. Uh, it doesn't matter our history. It doesn't matter our background, what we've been through. He will find a way to connect with you because he wants to talk to you. And so it's, it's, it starts with us tuning in, us tuning in, us connecting to God, us silencing the, the, the competing voices, if you will, turning down the volume on the world. Do you know we're so distracted? We're so distracted. I've got a phone up here, uh, you know, and I could be in the midst of reading the word of God and this text comes up and this thought, oh, I got to check the weather and Oh, yeah, I've got to um, see what's going on in the news and uh, who, who, um, who, who liked my post on Facebook. And, and I could be so distracted, right? Um, statistics show that young people, the gener younger generation that walk around with phones, are always looking at phones, spend about seven and a half hours a day on social media. Depends on what uh, survey you look at. That could be way off or accurate. I don't know, but... Um, you liked my point, right? <laughs> what if what if we if that was true? Now let's just roll with the whole concept of that being true, okay? I know I just sort of undercut my my use of that statistic, but um, if that was true, what if we what if we just just took two hours from that seven and a half hours and said, you know what, God, I'm going to give you this time. I, I'm going to spend this time with you because. Your voice matters to me than the rest of, more than the rest of the voices out there. And we begin to turn down the volume that this world has to offer. And we begin to tune into the voice of the one that gives us life. I love what, what Isaiah writes. Um, actually, let's, I, I've got one other verse I want to share with you first. Sorry about that. John 10, 27. This, is, this verse has always been so int uh, intriguing to me. In John 10, 27, it says, my sheep listen to my voice. It doesn't say uh, listen for my voice. It says listen to my voice. They, they connect with my voice. He says, I know them and they follow me. It, it's stated in, in the context of this is a given. Like my children know me and they know my voice. It's a given. They, they hear from me. 
They tune in. They invest time to be with me. That's my children. And, and so God over and over says, you know, I, I want my people to hear from me. I'm a relational God. I, I want to connect with my people. And we were, we, it's just important for us to know that we were created to be in relationship with God. Not an acquaintance. Not someone we once met. Not someone we once prayed to or someone we pray to when we only have a need. But in relationship. The one that we talk to, the one that we hear from, and it's time in his presence, it's hearing his voice, it's, it's hearing uh, from his word. And the reality is communication can, can be complex sometimes. I've, my wife and I are about to celebrate 28 years of marriage. And actually, it's in October, okay? I, I wasn't trying to solicit an applause, but I really appreciate that. Uh, it's in October, but there's times that she speaks to me and I don't hear her. As much as I love her, I don't hear what she, I, I hear her voice, but I don't hear what she's saying. You understand? Or I don't understand. Or maybe I'm focused on something else. Communication can be very, very complex. But God, God is calling us to have this this uh, interconnection that is so real, so authentic, so deep, that it's life-giving to us. You understand? I'm not just talking about reading the Word. I'm talking about having the Spirit bring life, breathe life on that Word and make it real to you and applicable to you for your life. For your life. And, and um, you know, some of the most powerful things that I've ever experienced was God speaking to me through His Word. It was, I'm standing here today because of that. I remember reading John 15, and, I mean, he, he met with me, and he wrecked me. There's this verse in there, John 15, 16, that says something like this. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And, and I called you to go and bear fruit, fruit, much fruit, fruit that will remain. And, you know, on the surface, that's cool. I'm called into the family of God. Um, you know, God's called me not only into the family of God, but also to be a fruit bearer for the kingdom of God, right? But God began to speak to me about my call into ministry through that verse. And I, I remember just sort of melting in his presence like, oh. And I mean, I, I wrote, I circled it, I underlined it, I dated it. And every time I come back, he just sort of reaffirms that, that call. Like, I am here because of that passage that God brought life to for me personally. You understand? See, God is speaking, and the Spirit of God is breathing on His Word to make uh, the reality of who we are and who we're called to be and the identity that we carry and the vision that God has for us um, it real, real, that we can walk this thing out. Isaiah says this in verse uh, chapter 30, verse 21. It says, whether you turn to the right or the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. See, God wants to direct our lives. God, God wants to steer us. He, he wants to help us go down the path that he has for us. And if we're going to be the kind of people that boldly respond to the Holy Spirit, 
it starts first by hearing. This is the one. Walking. And many times, many times our focus uh, in God's presence is more devotionally based and, and there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. There's times that, you know, we need, we need to hear his voice about our identity. We need to come across passages that reaffirm who we are and his great love for us and what he's done for us. But there's also times in the midst of that, like the one I just shared from John 15, that he begins to direct your future. It begins to speak to your future and who he's called you to be. It's, it's vision. It's more visionary. It's, you know, we need to hear from God. I love you. You know, you're my son. You're my daughter. I come to set you free. I'm your protector. I'm your shield. You know, I'm your great re- reward. We need to hear from God that he, that he chose us. But there's also times that he's in the midst of that. He's trying to direct vision to our lives. Right? God, God has an amazing vision for every one of us. The reason I, I thought that, that story was so intriguing about the Saudi, Saudi Arabian king and the golfer was that the golfer's mind was blown how the king thought. I want you to know that your mind can be blown how your king thinks about you. I, I want you to know that your mind can be blown, that his vision for your life is way bigger than your vision for your life. And, and he seems to just unload it in sort of droplets or in, in small doses because he really doesn't want your mind literally blown. You understand? Like, it, it comes in waves of helping us see, wow, God, you're amazing. You know, wow, God, you really could trust me with this. Wow, God, you have this for me. Wow, you, you want me to step out in this realm and do this? And, and it's this ever-increasing, evolving uh, growing vision that God wants to download to each and every one of us. He does. I, I'm so convinced of it. You, you have a, God has a purpose for your life, and you have a reason for being on this earth. And God wants you to help you see it and, and to begin to take steps in that direction. You understand? And so first we hear. And then we respond. So I want to talk, this is the second point, and this will be the only other point that I share with you. First we hear, uh, secondly we respond. We respond to God. We respond to God's voice. We respond in obedience to what he's saying. Sometimes obedience, you know, first of all, it's a dirty word in our current culture, right? Obey, you know, submit. But I, I I want my life fully aligned with God's will and God's purposes. I don't want it to be about me, right? I want to obey him. I want to walk in his ways. I want to live. We sang this this song, this beautiful song, I surrender, I surrender all. That means that it's not about me anymore. It's about you, God. You understand? I I want my life to reflect that. I don't want it just to be words that roll off my lips so freely that have no meaning or no intention of me doing anything about it. You understand? When God speaks, he speaks with a purpose. He, he's, he's trying to do something for us and, and, and in us. And I also want us to understand that when God speaks, he doesn't always fully explain himself. He doesn't always make himself clear. It's sort of like, uh, or it doesn't give us the full vision of what we're called to. 
It's sort of like driving in, the, in a pouring rain while you're late for an appointment. You know where you're going. You're, you're, you're trying to get to this destination. You can't see 50 foot in front of you, but you're just staying on the road. You've, you're, you're white knuckling the road. You know, you got your wipers flipping as fast as they go, but you wish they would go twice as fast as they are. You know, you, you know you, you've got this, this path in front of you, but you can't really see the whole, the whole way. You understand? Um, I heard the story of, of, uh, of this house that caught on fire. And there was no one in the house but a young boy. And the young boy, uh, he was very smart. The house was just, it was just going, being consumed in flames. And um, the young boy, he was upstairs. He couldn't get downstairs. But he was able to open his bedroom window and get out on the roof. And I mean, the house is being consumed. Um, and on the roof, you know, it, it's just pitch black. The, the, the smoke is pitch black. He can't see anything, but he hears this voice, and this voice is the voice of his father. And he says, son, I want you to jump. And the boy says, but dad, I can't see you. And the father replies, but I can see you, and that all that, that's all that matters. Sometimes the, the vision that's ahead of us is not that clear. Sometimes we're jumping into something or stepping into something as we respond to the voice of the Holy Spirit that we don't fully know what is next. But that is, that is what's called faith, right? That's, that's like, it's the risk. It's, many people say, you know, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. We, we trust God. We're in relationship with him. And so we take that step. We make that jump because we know the voice of our Father. We know the voice of our God. And because we know the voice of our God, we just, we like, I, I trust you. And let me just tell you something. It's a process. Sometimes, sometimes we will make mistakes. But we are going to learn to be boldly responsive to the Holy Spirit. And, and God is in the process of teaching us. I hear your voice, I respond. I hear your voice, I respond. And I'm learning to hone in on what you're saying and how you're saying it and how you speak to me because I want to be obedient to your voice. There's something powerful about being surrendered to the voice of God. Um, about a month and a half ago, I went to India. And some of you may have heard the story. I don't know where it was shared or when it was shared. But um, I was. we made it to India. We weren't in our final destination. We were in um, Calcutta, which is the the major hub, major airport, one of the major airports in India. And this Muslim guy came up and started talking to me. And I, I thought it was just odd. You know, he was all, in all his garb. He seemed to be very distinguished. Um, I think he was like a high, higher level. He seemed to be a higher level of authority type uh, Muslim. And he just began to speak to me. And uh, I, I thought it was cool. I love I loved that. He, he was saying, you know, hey, what's... We were just striking up small conversation, but then he said, I'm here because I'm flying my wife to a place she has a heart condition. Um, I don't know what alternate city they were flying to, but um, he, was, he was there because he had, to, he had to leave his home and take his wife to a place that she could get some treatment on her heart condition. And um, so we talked some more, and he shared with me what was going on with his wife, and it was a little bit hard to understand exactly what, was say, what he was saying, but... 
I got the gist of it. Um, and so he's like, oh, I've got to go. And he started moving toward his wife. And they were, I think they were getting ready to board the plane. And um, all of a sudden, God says, go pray for her. And so, I, you know, I, I know God's voice. I know when he speaks to me. And I looked, and he was like, he was a long ways away. So I hustled it, you know. I was on the move, and I called him. I'm like, hey. And I didn't have any idea. I didn't have any idea what his response could, could have been like. He could have started yelling at me, spitting at me, whatever. But I just said, hey, you know what? I would love to, I would love to pray for your wife and pray for her heart condition and ask God to heal her. And, and he, uh, at that time, had gotten his son-in-law. He had joined with his wife and his son-in-law. His son-in-law had lived in New York City for a long time and spoke very clear English. So I had to repeat it to his son-in-law. And, I, you know, I, I communicated what I was there for and why I was trying to talk to, to them. And, and uh, so he, he asked the father, his father-in-law and his mother-in-law, if it was okay. And his, they're like, sure, you can, you can pray. And I, I was a little bit... I, I was cautious, so I said, um, you probably don't want me laying my hands on her, right? And he's like, no, 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 please don't touch her. And, and I was respectful of that. Um, but I began to pray. And, and I, I tell you, her, her eyes were closed, and she began to, like, move them back and forth like this. And I could tell God, I could tell the presence of God was there. It was amazing. And God was touching her because he loves her, you know? And, and um, so after a moment or two, I asked, you know, I asked, what was happening? And she said she felt this warmth going through her heart, and her heart was not racing like it was. It was, it was beating differently. And I was like, oh, that's so amazing. And, and somehow, whether the man told me or God just gave it to me, I, I, I asked him if I could pray for his heart. I, I don't recall exactly how I knew his heart needed to be, uh, needed prayer, but he, asked, he let me pray for him. And they were both touched by the love of God. They were so grateful. Um, they were on the run. They had limited time, but they received the love of God. It's, it, it is so important this, in, in the moment of everyday life to hear from God and respond. But even in a bigger sense, as it relates to the direction of our lives, to be obedient to what he has to say. I want to share with you a very powerful verse in John 14, 21. I want, you to, I want to show you that obedience produces greater intimacy. Look at what John 14, 21 says. It says, whoever has my commands and keeps them, or um, an older translation of the NIV says, and obeys them. Whoever has my commands and obeys them or keeps them is the one who loves me. Do you know obedience is a sign of love to God? He said somewhere in the Old Testament or multiple times, he says, I want obedience over sacrifice. I want you to just love me and obey me. I want you to demonstrate your love for me by just doing what I ask you to do. It's as simple as that. We, first we hear, then we go and do. John 14, 21 says that uh, he is the one who loves me, the one who obeys me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Come on. That is so amazing that that Jesus would go as far as to saying, you obey me. And there's this, this realm of love that you will encounter and this, this reality of me revealing myself to you. It, it, obedience paves the way for greater intimacy. It doesn't, it's not resisting. 
It's not quenching, right? It, it's, not, it, it's not ignoring the prompts of the Holy Spirit. It's responding to them. You understand? John 14, 20, it's, it's just so powerful. It's the proof of love. That's the way I would say it. Obedience is the proof of love, as I glean from John 14, 21. And the reality is this. I choose to obey him because, because first of all, I love him. And do you know, as I choose to obey him, that his presence becomes so much more sweeter in my life? Did, did you ever just step out when you felt like God was saying something to you? You obeyed him. And all of a sudden, there's something that's going on in your heart. There's something happening. This, you feel closer to God. You feel a greater reality of his love for you. Um, his presence becomes more real and manifest in your life. This is what God does. This is what God does for us. He produces greater intimacy in our lives as we obey him. But it also not only produces greater intimacy, it, it produces, our obedience also produces a stronger foundation for us in our lives. In, in Matthew, here's the last verse I'll share with you. Matthew seven twenty four. This unshakable foundation it says in verse 24, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, right? James says, let us not just be hearers of the word, but doers, not hearers only, but doers of the word. So if you hear these words of mine and you put them into practice, you're like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, the, and they beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. So so this, this, this individual who hears the word of God, puts the word of God into practice, encounters the storm, right? This is what the word of God says. They encounter the storm. Rain comes, streams rose, winds blew, and they're pounding the house. But the foundation was on the rock. Verse 26, it says, But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Do you see that? We, when we begin to live out the word of God, we obey his voice. We obey what he says. We, we surrender our lives. We, we come into agreement that it's not my will, but it's his will be done. There's this foundation that's established under us. I want you to notice that the people who obeyed and the people who didn't obey both had a storm they faced. You know, we're not exempt as Christians from storms in life. But when we're standing on a firm foundation, we will survive that storm. We'll make it through. We'll be successful. God will, will get all the glory. Obedience is such a key factor. So, so first we hear... Then we go and do. It's so simple. It, it, it's so simple. It's profound. Walking in obedience makes us ready for the storms of life. We hear. Then we go and do. You see, I, I want you to know that God fulfills his vision as we respond to the Holy Spirit. As, at this church, you know, you're, you're sitting in a building, in a, in a place, on a property, that is the result of people who responded boldly to the Holy Spirit. This place, 79 acres, 
this, this property uh, worth millions of dollars with the building on it is 100% debt-free, not, not one penny owed for this property in this building. It's, ama- it's astounding, but God spoke, and men of God, people of God, responded. I remember um, 15 years ago, God began to speak to my wife and I. He began to speak to us that where we were and what we were doing wasn't going to remain that way. We were serving faithfully in this church. Um, I was working at a local business, and he spoke, and we chose to boldly respond. You know, we, we, we ended up leaving a job that was a good job, had a great future ahead of us, and taking a huge leap of faith. Our, uh, with four children, our pay got cut in half. We owned a house, and I can tell you God has been so gloriously amazing to us as we just boldly responded to the Holy Spirit. He called us into the ministry. We're so very grateful. This place is, is built on the foundation of faith, of, on obeying God, hearing God and obeying God. And I've given you some examples along the way, but I felt today as I prepared a close in prayer that God wanted to speak and breathe vision into people's lives. We've been sharing with you the vision of this church, but God has a vision for you. God has a vision for your life. And, and I was just praying. I'm like, God, what is, what is it that you want to say? What is it that you want to do? And he says, I, I want people, I want people to begin seeking me for my vision for their life. My vision for their life. And I've given you the basic tools that you need. You first hear, and then you respond. I want to invite you to stand to your feet today. I felt like God was going to meet some people here at the altar today. Uh, As we close this series, it's been about vision. He's a God of vision. He sees things way differently than you see. He, he He has hopes and plans and dreams for you that are radically different or maybe radically more expansive than how you see them for yourself. And I feel like whether, whether it's in this moment that he re- reveals the vision or he drops the seed of your pursuit, I want to just invite you here to the altar. I feel like God's going to meet with people powerfully here. I can't force his hand to move. I'm only going by what I sensed he was saying. Maybe, maybe you've been in that dry place and you're like, I don't know where I'm going or what I'm called to. I, I, I don't know what's going on, but I know that God is good and he wants to move and speak to me. It, maybe, maybe, you want, maybe you've got a vision, but God, you're, you're like, God, I want to I see it expanded. I, I want more. Like I said, God gave us these tidbits and all of a sudden, boom. Like we're not just a local church. He's called us to impact this region. He's called to raise up people that will ultimately impact the world. And maybe you're here saying, God, I want more. I want to hear more from you more clearly. I want more. And God is releasing vision. God is releasing vision. Can you imagine with me, just for a moment, if every one of us in this place had a clear vision of what God called us to, and we were boldly going after it, could you imagine the change that would result in our homes, in our our workplaces, in our 
in our neighborhoods, in our city. Can you imagine with me for a minute if we were totally surrendered to hearing and responding? Let me pray for you if you're here and and you've got to go. I just want to release a blessing over you, and then we're going to minister to the people up here at the altar. But let's pray together. And there'll be fellowship out in the atrium, but um, we, we want God to move and we want God to speak. So, Father, today, we acknowledge that you are a God who speaks and you're a God of vision. And, Lord, our call is to hear and respond. Hear and respond. And boldly respond to your, the voice of your Holy Spirit. So, Father, I bless your people today, God. I ask that you move mightily, God. I ask, God, that that you speak, Father, profoundly, God, that you begin to help them understand and see that, Lord, your call, your hand upon their lives is greater, Lord, is greater than a mind can conceive. It's greater than maybe they've thought of or people have told them, God. And so, Father, I pray that you speak clearly, God. Father, in quiet times, in, in, in busy times, God, that you speak and and that your people would hear, Father. I bless your work in this place. I bless what you're doing, God. I thank you that you're raising people up, God. I thank you for fresh fire, God, in the hearts and the souls of people, God, that you're calling them higher, Lord. And so, Father, we bless what you're doing, God. I thank you, God. And so, Father, I bless everyone, Father, who has to go, and it's, it's time for them. But, God, I also ask that you move powerfully upon the people here at the altar. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. If you're here and part of the ministry team, I just want to ask, release you to go ahead and pray for people. If you have words, I want to just release you to go ahead and give those. If you're not on the ministry team, um, but you're available, come and just minister to people.